Hi, Black Hollywood Live fans. Today on Justice is Served, we're talking about the most hated man in America, the travel ban, and Lil' Kim in hot water again. Stay with us. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Lives. Justice is Served. Hello and welcome to Justice is Served on this very, very toasty outside and inside this studio, uh, <laughs> sunny summer day. Uh, I, what is the date today? The last Wednesday of June, June yes. 28, 2017. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on Justice is Served. If you see a new face, it is because we do have a guest host today, um, Yummy, Dominique, and Shaka. Uh, all couldn't quite make it in today, but Taylor is our hero. Please welcome Taylor Gates, who is an after buzzer here, right? Yes, you do I'm an house of cards. I do house of cards, so I guess I'm somewhat qualified for this. That totally makes you qualified. <laughs> um, and so, when can they catch you on uh, the House of Cards after show? You can catch me on the House of Cards after show tonight at seven. It's our penultimate episode, Ooh. so get excited. It's getting crazy. Good stuff. All right, and uh, the only thing consistent around here is the fact that we are bringing you the latest in legal news every week and we'll get started with um the travel ban yes um i did you hear uh, i i wonder sometimes if i'm the only one that hears about this stuff because i'm so interested in it, but did you hear that the travel ban had kind of made a comeback i've heard about it briefly i get a lot of my news from twitter so i've seen things retweeted and things like that um it's still like a little bit sketchy on some of the details though so the travel ban is back but only part of it i've heard yeah. what exactly did the supreme court say about all of that okay perfect so just a little background uh there were a couple of cases filed to stop the the travel ban from going into effect, and the federal judges had stopped it. And then it went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, actually, we're going to let some of it go into effect. We're not going to make any official rulings on it until we're back in session in October. But in the meantime, what will happen is that there is a 90-day, um, uh, like, um, Oh, my gosh. Like, 90 days, you've got to wait if you um, want to come in. Uh, if you are from one of those six countries that are Muslim, I guess majority is what they mm -hmm. call them, countries, unless you have what they're calling a bona fide relationship with the United States. So let's say you are from Iran, but you are a uh, student at an American university, you can still come. Okay. If you have a family member who is here, you can still come to visit. If you have a job that um, requires you to travel back and forth between the two, that's fine. So as long as you have a bona fide relationship before now, then you can keep coming if you're from one of those six countries. Gotcha. Otherwise, 90 days, nobody can come until, I guess, quote, we figure out what to do. Um, there's a, a hairy little question about the 90-day thing, about did this 90-day things start way back when Trump yeah. initially signed it, or does it start now? Some of us want to believe the 90 days are, you know, up already yeah. because the executive order came out a, a while ago, but the reality is it's probably 90 days from, like, the moment it was um, deemed uh, permissible by the Supreme Court. So okay. that's a 90-day delay, and then there is a 120-day, um, like, ban on refugees. Okay. And so... And so we might not actually ever hear what the Supreme Court has to definitively say about whether the executive order to ban people from these countries because perhaps they were Muslim or just because they were from this country 
you know, the federal courts had said that because this is discrimination on religious um, basis, uh, that that's illegal, even though the president has the power to control who comes into this country. Okay. There are certain exceptions. So it's really curious about, you know, in, in October, this 90-day period will be over, and so unless the president renews it, there it may be like a done deal. There's no argument anymore, and so we'll never hear what the Supreme Court would have actually decided. So it'll, I mean, October will either, it'll be a done deal, we'll have forgotten about it, or we'll find out what the Supreme Court actually thinks about how constitutional it was All or right. not. So I know, like, there was a lot of, like, confusion and chaos, like, at the airports, yeah. like, the last time that kind of when this... I actually was flying back from, where was I? Guatemala, the the day that the travel ban oh went into effect, and I, I like, got... Went through um, security because I have that global entry thing, so mm-hmm. I like went really fast, and then I just saw like police, like with like the biggest guns I've ever seen wow. police have in this country. Because you, I, I've been abroad, and right. you know, you see. And I walked through that, you know, that tunnel that you walk through yeah. when you're walking out of the Tom Bradley International, and then I just saw throngs of people wow. with signs and. Um, and I was like, yeah, and then everybody was like, yeah. <laughs> um, and so it was, uh, it, it was a cool moment. That is my uh, travel ban at the airport experience. That's crazy. Yeah, That's but, crazy but I heard that they did it again yesterday, although yeah. I don't know how well attended it was. I'm not sure if it was just LAX or, like, last time there was protests at all air- or a lot of different airports around the country. Yeah, because I was wondering if that would become maybe common occurrence, considering this yeah. is an issue that keeps getting kind of re- Ignited, reinvigorated. Yeah, I mean, the the problem the first time was that because no one had an idea that it was even coming and that it was not well um, executed by the government, it caused a lot of mayhem mm-hmm. and confusion, and there were people that had already taken flights here. Yeah. And so maybe because people have had this, like, heads up that this may or not, may not be a thing, that mm-hmm. more people, you know, will be... I think people are actually just staying away. They're choosing yeah. not to come here. So I don't think that this is going to be as chaotic mm-hmm. as last time. But I still do hope, and I really do have faith, that there are going to be lawyers especially who make their way to the airport who are available to people who find themselves in a tough spot. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So let's move on to Philando Castile's family reaching um a settlement. So it was just like two weeks ago where we got the not guilty verdict of the police officer that shot into the car with Philando Castile as he was reaching for his wallet and the officers assumed that he was reaching for his gun. And um, and then after that, the video of um, Philando Castile's uh, girlfriend handcuffed and her four-year-old daughter yeah. saying, Mommy, please don't Ugh. scream, don't cuss, I don't want you to get shooted. If that didn't break your heart, maybe you should go check to see if you have one. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was among the most upsetting things I may have ever seen. Yeah. Um, And I don't think that this makes it any better. Um, But with the way our justice system works, this is what we do. We just give people a couple million dollars and call it justice. Yeah. Um. So and how, so that's what and that's what just happened. Yeah, it's I mean, obviously it's 
there's changes that need to be made in the system, and that's, like, very clear. But just I'm not super familiar with, um, like, how do we decide how much money to give to people like this? Like, how, a great how do these settlements work? Yeah, because we see a lot of them come out, you know, $5 million, and there was also another um, settlement for the family of Michael Brown who got a million and a half dollars, and you're like, um, and so, there's a couple of factors that go into it. First, like, how egregious the death, the killing was, Mm -hmm. even if there were no charges or the officer was let off. Because the standard in civil court is just a preponderance of the evidence, meaning it's more likely than not that the officer, you know, murdered this person. Whereas in criminal court, it's beyond a reasonable doubt. Mm -hmm. So knowing that it's much um, easier for a family to win in civil court, they, they come at it more of, like, how egregious was it? In this case, it was really egregious. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody is saying that Philando Castile had, um, uh, was brandishing a weapon, was being noncompliant, was, you know, lunged towards the officer or made any kind of, um, well, I don't know if I was going to say it, didn't make any overt uh, motions that would cause the officer to be alarmed, but of course the jury did believe that he made some kind of motion that Mm -hmm. caused the officer reasonable fear for his life. So, um, but the egregiousness is one. Um, they, they also will, uh, try to see about how, um, how they think a jury would decide. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's, it's a really, it's a guessing game. They can also use economic damages so they can calculate like, if he worked, um, how much he would have made over the span of his lifetime. And then they may look at how many people were dependent on him. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's it's a lot of, like, really, like, soft things. There's no, like, hard and fast yeah. kind of determination or calculator, like the way there is with alimony. Alimony, it's like a full-on just numbers go into a system. At least that's how it is in, in California can't remember what that machine or, uh, or the software is called disco something i can't remember but anyways in that one it's just like numbers go in and then a number is spit out here it's all just a negotiation interesting so there's no like formula it's kind of just a lot of factors yeah and it's and it, it'll it'll vary by city this was you know saint anthony um Minnesota, sometimes it depends on whether like the taxpayers themselves are going to pay the money out or if the city is insured and there's an insurance company on the hook, that could change things. So there's like not a really great answer. It's like everything in the law. It's all kind of a mess. Yeah. So um, just like speaking of factors, like I know that the Facebook Live thing was kind of a factor. Yeah. Just like in a more general sense, how caught up is the law to like the new technologies coming in for like evidence and things like that well yeah it's been a really interesting development in the law like having you know cell phone video being Mm -hmm. evidence and um, dash cam videos and and body cams you know how do how do they handle it when the when the body cam was intentionally turned off or it didn't work or um yeah so law enforcement has had to get up to speed with all of this Really quickly, they didn't know how to handle the Facebook Live thing. I read an article, and I, I don't know how true it is. I didn't check it out. That said, that officers tried to get into her phone, into her Facebook, to try oh. and delete the the video because you know they knew that it showed 
some really bad, intense stuff. Um, and so different, uh, you know, there's no federal law, so there's no one way that officers across the country have to um, deal with this technology. It's, it's, you know, state by state or sometimes county by county. And I, I don't know if any state or county has it totally figured out. What we're seeing is a lot of them that have it terribly figured out. Right, yeah. And so that's why we um, um, see things like like this. And it's just, by this point, we've seen, we on, on this show, we have talked, I don't know, at least a dozen of these kinds of settlements. Mm-hmm. And we always say, you know, sometimes the way that you change behavior is by making somebody hurt in their wallet. But because this is just like taxpayer money and yeah. no one person feels responsible for that or an insurance company, nobody feels insur- bad for an insurance company, um, nothing really changes. Yeah. And, and I was hopeful that a couple of these big multi-million dollar settlements would start inspiring police departments around the country to improve and either they're not doing it or the change is painfully slow. Right. Yeah. Like, even I've just seen <sighs> on social media, people are so, like, angry because it just, it feels like it's just stuck. Like, the system's just stuck. And it is the best thing for the system that more people are being witness to mm-hmm. what's happening. Because I think only good things can come of people who participate in our democracy. And in a way, even when you just bear witness to something like this and you take a stand in what you believe and you share it and you talk about it, you are, in a way, even though it feels like nothing, contributing to the energy that's moving us forward towards justice. Yeah. And so I I like that people are, are watching and I really appreciate that people are getting really engaged in um, in this situation. Yeah, like we said, technology can be like such a powerful tool socially yeah. or like within evidence. Yeah, like, it's really amazing. Yeah. Okay, so I, uh, earlier on the, in the intro, I said the 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 trial of the man of the most hated man in America yeah. begins. And uh, have you had you heard about this guy before? His name is Martin Shkreli. I had heard of him. I hadn't heard of this particular. Like case of his, but yeah. I've heard um, like he is a pharmaceutical drug, correct? And he was like yeah. yanking up the prices like five thousand yeah. percent or something. Crazy. I was gonna say that's what made him famous or infamous, depending yeah. on the way you want to look at it. But yeah, he was a CEO. He's thirty-four years old. He's like basically wow. my age. He was the CEO of a drug company that last year he decided to raise the price of the cost of a single pill for each individual pill. Um, used in uh, the treatment for AIDS patients mm-hmm. from $13.50 a pill to $750. Oh, my God. And so people went ape-schneezing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then we had something similar uh, with the uh, CEO um, of Mylan who raised the price of the EpiPen. Mm-hmm. Do you Maybe remember that? Maybe that's what I've heard. I yeah. think that's one. So... So in a way, it's it's like you can see that this kind of behavior is not illegal because Martin Shkreli is not on trial for raising the price of that yeah. drug. It is a completely separate, total different issue. This was the guy who um, testified before Congress and was really snotty, condescending, nasty, disrespectful, like eye roll, and like you called people imbeciles. I think that's what he called. I mean, just... Wow. 
really probably unreal behavior that you would ever see from somebody testifying before Congress because he was being asked about raising the price. And, and, and basically, I kind of think that he is, this might get me a lot of hate, in some ways a hero, an unbeknownst hero, because what he is doing is he is bringing forward, making it very obvious what has been going on behind the scenes and other CEOs and company executives have been doing the same thing. Yeah. But they had enough wherewithal to know that you don't want to defend this. You just want to do this quietly, make your gazillions, and just try and stay under the radar. And this guy, Martin Shkreli, did the same thing as all these other people have been doing. But he was just prideful, yeah. shameless about it. And... And when Congress was asking him questions, they were so frustrated because there is no law that mm-hmm. he violated. So there was really nothing that they could do. But anyways, so this case is all about him defrauding investors of another company that he um, was running. And he apparently took money from those investors. They thought they were investing into one company, but really he took that money and used it to pay off debts and investments from other accounts that he was managing. So this is for fraud, wire fraud securities. Um, There's like probably about half a dozen, I think, um, charges against him. And, uh, and, and that's what this one is about. Not as exciting as, you know, if he was on trial for raising the drug price. Right. But since he's known for both like this unethical behavior of raising the prices versus like his possibly illegal behavior, since he has that um, kind of reputation, did yeah. that impact like the jury selection? Yeah, at all? yeah it totally did. This was, uh, this was uh, today the end of the third day of jury selection. And it seemed like there were not going to be any jurors. Like wow. there were people dropping like flies left and right. And uh, because a lot of people, yeah, they knew who he was and they didn't like him. One potential juror asked if he was stupid or just crazy. I got to read you some of these because they're <laughs> really funny. Um, one man suggested that he wanted to punch Shkreli. Um, Definitely get him on that jury. <laughs> he said, I don't, I don't really like this person. And uh, he said, I can't understand why someone would take a medication that people need and jack up the price. Um, he, yeah, the, the, the judge obviously had to let that guy go. Um, somebody said, I'm sorry, judge. Is, this, is he stupid or crazy? I don't understand. Uh, these are not normal things that are said during jury selection. Right. Um, and th- like 300 people uh, had been brought in, and they finally did figure out who were the 12 jurors, but not before there was, you know, a lot of um, really s- snide comments by potential jurors. The- this is what one potential juror said. This was a man in his 30s. He says, in this particular case, the only thing I'd be impartial about is which prison he goes to. <laughs> yeah. Um, another person said, just looking at him kind of twists my stomach, to be honest, because he, and he kind of does, he has that smug look on his face that you don't know if he's really all there. He, I mean, I'm sure, you know, he has to be brilliant in order to accomplish what he has. Um, but it does seem like there is, uh, empathy missing. I, I mean, I don't know. 
I was going to say, I don't want to be an armchair therapist or psychologist, but actually <laughs> I kind of do. I mean, he may be sociopathic, unable yeah. to, to empathize and really only be able to um, focus on numbers and, and grow them, then that's what you know, a CEO and investors do, right? Yeah, because I've heard that he's been, like, live streaming on YouTube, all this stuff. Like, that's just crazy behavior for yeah. someone about to go on trial yeah, for something this I'm insane. sure the attorney was like, oh, my God, you're gonna, <laughs> whatever. Um, and then, you know, he made the big mistake of disrespecting the Wu-Tang Clan, so another potential juror took offense to he's that. out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, really interesting, and but, but now... The opening statements are set to begin. They were perhaps going to be started today. I didn't. I don't know if they started today, but they'll certainly um, go on tomorrow. And then the trial is expected to last six weeks. That's another reason why there was a lot of drop-off in jurors, is because six weeks is a long time. It's a long time. Um, and so between scheduling problems and the fact that so many people despise this man, it was hard to seat a jury, but that is hopefully done. The defense uh, attorney did try and get a mistrial declared already from the judge because he said that there was um, something that came out in the press, oh. uh, a front-page story that you know could have tainted um, the jury. I can't remember what the headline was, but... Anyway, judge didn't buy it, but the the attorney did that probably so he would he's probably creating a series of um, motions that he can use later to appeal. Yeah. When this guy loses, that's crazy. So, Twelve out of three hundred, like yeah, yeah. And, and actually, that that may have been like three hundred may have been like only on one day. It may have been three. I, I don't. I can't remember. Wow. Uh, how many in total? But uh, it was uh, no small amount. All right, so I, I wait. Hold on, I got to go back to my rundown. Where are we? Um, do 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 do. Oh, the Bachelor in Paradise thing. I don't I don't watch those shows. So, I don't either. But apparently there was this whole controversy because if yeah. I heard about it, it, it was a big <laughs> something. So yeah. Apparently, there was accusations of a sexual assault on the show mm -hmm. and uh, Warner Brothers did an investigation and concluded that there was no sexual assault then you know the the meat of this story is like how did it get there because she seemed pretty insistent that there was mm -hmm. some people I've heard are saying that she was offered money because it was holding up production um, but who knows yeah uh, but the good news is I think if anything good news did come from this that there the rules have changed okay a bit um on the set of at least this show and hopefully other reality shows similar to it will take precautions like this i think i read that they get like a, a two drink maximum oh that really changes the dynamics of the show i think i think it was like two two drink maximum per hour okay that's different still get you to, but I, I guess that's a step in the right direction. Yeah. And then also, um, and this is something that um, attorney Lisa Bloom had come out and uh, pushed for, is that people need to affirmatively sign off, yes, that I want to engage in any kind of sexual behavior with somebody before it goes down. And so now the contestants have to ask the producers if they can hook up with somebody. What? Yeah. And the producers has to have to sign off on That's it. crazy. That's yeah. probably a good thing, though, considering I'm sure since this case got so public, I'm sure there's more things that have happened that have been covered up and not gotten that's, publicized. That's so true. Yeah. And hopefully 
people will start. Wow, that could really, attention. I feel like, change kind of the dynamics of the whole show. I know. I'm sure there was a, some producers that are like, oh, my God, this show is going to be boring now because yeah. they need people wasted to be yeah. interesting. But safety first. Right. And, and you know, safety first and money first. You got to yeah. watch out make sure you don't get sued. Wow. Um, speaking of looking out for her money, Lil' Kim um, apparently looked out for her money in a very interesting way this weekend. Um, she got herself into trouble, and she's now a person of interest. Ooh. So not, like, exactly a suspect, and uh-huh. she hasn't been charged with anything, but they're looking at her for her part in a robbery that went down over the weekend. She had rented a house in Malibu, but I guess when she showed up, she didn't really like it, and on the spot, she demanded that she get her deposit um, back, and they refused. They tried to call the cops, but the cops are there to deal with criminal issues right, and not civil. civil. Yes, see, look, I told you you were qualified Guys, to be here. political science one semester. <laughs> Total expert. Um, so, yeah, the cops are like, we, we can't really help you with this. Peace out. And then apparently she and her crew left, and then in the middle of the night went in, robbed the place, grabbed the check, um, I, I, I think damaged some uh, of the property, wow. and uh, we'll see how that all turns out. Yeah, that's so set up for an interesting case, right? That's strange. That's just a whole strange situation. Right. It feels like. And then, if I have a few more minutes, ooh, I got like one minute left to update everyone on a story that I was on a case that I was really excited about. Um, it was this pink slime case. I don't know if you ever heard about it, but mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, ABC News did this series of uh, news stories on this product called Finely Textured Beef by this company called Beef Products, Inc. And when you look at it, go through a machine, it comes out looking like pink slime. Mm -hmm. So it's been dubbed pink slime, not by ABC, but people before. Well, the beef company filed a lawsuit for billions because they said that ABC News defamed them. So this was, you know, set up to be the most um, expensive possible defamation trial that had ever occurred in the United States. So we had talked about it a couple times on the show, and then I saw today that the case settled. Not a huge surprise, but um, the bummer is is that when cases settle, generally the public doesn't hear about the terms. That's part of the settlement. So we don't know. Both sides have claimed victory, of course. When I was reading the language of uh, Beef Product Inc.'s attorney, um, my reading of them, if I can read into words, was that that guy lost, actually. <laughs> and so um, I, I, I doubt ABC had to pay out very much. But this was three weeks into the trial. ABC hadn't put it on a defense yet. Oh, yeah, the attorney, he was like, yeah, we were ready to go full-fledged forward with, with trial, but then out of nowhere... Um, uh, settlement talks sprang up. And so when you put it like that, where you you make it sound like the other side surprised you with, like, they wanted to talk settlement yeah. with you, it makes it sound like they did coming to you with their tail between their legs. Yeah. I don't think it went down like that. But bummer that we won't know exactly how yeah. it went out. ABC stands by its story. Of course, BPI says they were vindicated. So it's a big womp womp. Yeah. Oh, well. We'll see. That's how it goes 
many times in justice <laughs> is you're not sure if justice was ever served. Was justice indeed served. <laughs> right. But what we do know is that we will be back next Wednesday for another episode of Justice is Served. Thank you so much, Taylor. Of course. People can find you, social media. You can find me on Twitter at alphabet underscore Anne and on Instagram at Taylor underscore Gates underscore. Great. Thank you so much for, thank for you. doing this. For and thank on. you for joining us. We'll see you next week on another episode of Justice is Served. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Christian, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagram, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of DHL or its owners or principals.